With every people of Europe outside the old limits of the Roman Empire, there is a moment of origin to be discerned, a moment in which it passed out of the formless mist of barbaric paganism into the fixed culture of Christendom, a moment in which there came to it, for the first time in sufficient strength, the formative institutions of our civilization, writing and record, the monastic centers, permanent building, and also, and above all, the kernel of the whole affair, the mass. When they are thus transformed, they become communities strengthened by organization. They are already polities. They are prepared to become later one of those provinces of our race which are called the European nations. That moment came late for Denmark. Charlemagne had been dead more than a hundred years his bishoprics and his garrisons framing and holding the outer Germanies, confirming the work of the high and later missionaries, expanding Rome and her civilization, had been established for two lifetimes, not only north of the Danube, but beyond the Rhine and up to the northern sea, where there died Gorm the Old, that chief pirate raider who first felt the new tide from the south and therefore first ruled over one state, the state that was to be Denmark, and it was from yelling that he ruled, hating and hoping to stem the coming of Rome and the Christ, issuing his dooms from some wooden or wattled hall in little yelling, with his queen Thura at his side. Under him, Denmark begins. Now, what is Denmark? Denmark is an archipelago, a mass of islands set on a submerged shelf in a very shallow sea and stretching eastward from a horn or projection of the mainland which sticks out northward from the flat plain of the Germanies and is called Jutland. It is as a group of islands that you must understand Denmark, yet do these islands make one thing, which thing was first made one, from Yelling. Therefore did I long to find Yelling, of which I had heard so often, and stand where had stood at the beginning Gorm the Old. There are two larger islands east of the abrupt projection, also another lesser one to the north, over a narrow drift of water, another lesser one to the south over another strait, half a dozen lesser still and innumerable islets, all using as their communication each with the rest this shallow sea, its long bays and many havens sheltered by turns of the strand. They lived and moved by boats and sails. The inlets and short rivers were their roads. Their little groups of rough low dwellings stood for the most part on the shores and all looked eastward to where, beyond a long creek or narrows, another mainland stretches northward forever, Scania and the Gothic lands and the lakes and pine forests of the northern Suevi, whence it has today the common name of Sweden. So, neighboring, so almost touching the special Danish thing, yet is the Swedish land a separate land with a separate story. Though ruled at times and for long times from the Danish throne, it is another place. The tongues are similar, yet distinct. Denmark is itself, and now has been so for a thousand years. I came to yelling by a stormy day, grey clouds driving low down near earth with gusts of rain, and I saw beneath them the two large mounds which mark the burial places of Gorm the Old and his queen Thera, father and mother of the Danes. 
You know how our fathers everywhere love to mark the glory of fallen or dead heroes with great heaps of earth. So it was with Hector. Thus they buried Hector, tamer of the horses. Even we lesser ones put up small mounds called graves that the living, stumbling over them, may respect our memories. A poet has well put it in an epitaph that should be famous. Traveller, pass on, nor waste your worthless time in lying eulogy and far worse rhyme. For what I am, this mound of earth assures, and what I was is no affair of yours.